Uh, we, when you say church, you think of four walls. You think of uh, a cross on top of a building, right? We think of, if you want, if you want to get closer, it's up to you guys. Um, but the church, we don't ever really think about the church as the people. We always think, like I said, the church as four walls, cornerstone, or a name, uh, Mount Hope, wherever church, you know, you, you can think of different church names, but whenever you think of church, like I said, you don't think of the people. So today I want to talk about what the church is and three that I find the main purposes of what the church is supposed to do. So we're going to talk about what church is and the three purposes of the church. And um, the reason why I feel like if like, with our lives, we tend to compartmentalize them. And this has a lot to do with location, like with work. You go to work, and, you know, you put on a certain type of clothes for work. You have a certain attitude when you're at work. You act a certain way when you're with your coworkers. You go home, usually the first thing, at least I know students do, is they put their pajamas on right after school. You might, you might go home, you might, you, know, you might change your clothes, you might take a shower, you might do whatever you have to do to get ready for that rest of the day. For me, I like when I get home, I work out, and then I take a shower and I put my comfy clothes on, right? I'm different than how I, I, what I wear at home is different than what I wear at work. I mean, am I the only way or are we all, we go to work with pajamas on or whatever, right? Um, and this mindset often transfers over to our lives as Christians, too. We look at um, Sunday as the sum of the church experience. When we see church as a building or place, our relationship with God tends to be something that only really takes place in that particular place. Um, and I got a little example here. Zach, you want to grab the family one for me? It's the real reason why I had you guys come forward. <laughs> If you want to turn that bad boy around. Family, right? We act a certain way with our family. Uh, after we leave our family, put everything back into that box, close it off, and you can set that down, Zach, if you want to grab the uh, work one. Like I said, work. When we go to work, yeah, that one's a heavy one. Carpentry right there, right? If you're a carpenter, you, you know, you got to have the right tools. You got to make sure you're wearing a steel toe boots, right? You can set that one down. <laughs> you act a certain way. Way you can grab the next one, Zach. Yeah, that one's like church. You know, we come, you can set that one down. You can sit down. Thanks. Church. You know, we come to church. We open up our bin if I can open it. Gosh. You know, we we begin to worship. Right after worship, we put it back in our box. We take up the offering. This is where your guys is missing one wet. Put it. We put it back into the box, the message happens, you know, we get all our Bibles, and so for some of us, that's the only time we open our Bibles, and after church, we put it back in the box, we say our goodbyes, we close it, and that's it. We leave church, we leave God here in these four walls. When church is tended to be, we are the church, and we're supposed to take it outside of these four walls. Um, the founder of the home church movement in England Canon Ernest Southcott said this best. The holiest moment of church service is the moment when God's people, strengthened by preaching and the 
sacrament, I think I said that right, go out of the church doors into the world to be the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. So we, the people here in Cornerstone, are the church, not the name Cornerstone, not the four walls. Um, if you were to look in the Greek, the Greek word for church is ekklesias, I think I'm saying that right, which means an assembly, a called out, or the called out ones. In Romans chapter 16, verse 5, it says, also, this is Paul talking, also given my greetings to the church that meets in their homes. He's greeting the church that meets in four walls in the home. He didn't say, I'm giving the greetings to the four walls. He, when he said the, to the church, he was talking to the people. I'm greeting the called out ones. Called out ones are those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You've also become called out and you become the church, the assembly together, when we assemble together. The church is made complete by Christ. Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 through 23, it says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body, it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I have some family, and I mean some friends, that say church, you know, they're going to do church at the house. They're going to turn on the TV, listen to that television pastor, right, and have church. Well, church isn't electronic. Church is the people, called out people who assemble together. And notice what that scripture says in there. It says, we are made full and complete when we are assembled together under the authority of Christ. So when we are assembling together under the authority of Christ, Steve, you are made complete. Gabby, you are made complete. We are made complete when we're together, not out by ourselves, sitting in front of a TV. There's benefit in that, you know, but you are made complete when we are assembled together under the authority of Christ Jesus. So I want to talk about the purpose of the church. And there's three main purposes I've found. I, I mean, I'm sure there's tons of little sub-little purposes, but you can take all those sub-ones into these three main ones. And the first one is to give God glory in our actions, in our words, and in our attitudes. Um, in the youth group, we have a uh, helps ministry. Some of you guys have seen it on Facebook, the pictures and stuff that we've been doing, helping people in the community. And I base it off of this scripture verse right here. It says in 1 John 3.18. I'm going fast, I know. They, they gave me a time limit today for once. They want to get you guys out before 12 after the meeting, so I won't say who. Um, 1 John 3.18, it says, We must stop expressing love merely by our words and manners of speech. We must love also in action and in truth. Titus 2.7-8 says, And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth, so that your teaching cannot be criticized. Then those who oppose you, oppose us, will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. What that verse is talking about is let our lives reflect who Jesus Christ is. 
Imagine if the people you are talking to, the people you're trying to reach, their only perception and theology of who Jesus is is by looking at your life. So let our actions reflect who Jesus is and give God the glory. Words, in our words, Ephesians 4, 29 through 32, it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Now, you know, automatically, you guys are probably thinking, oh, don't cuss. You know, don't use those big, the big swear words, right? But what, don't use foul or abusive language. And the next bit of scripture defines what is abusive and foul language. And it says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Think about that. Every time you're negative, that is foul and abusive language. Every time you're gossiping, that's foul and abusive language. Every time, whatever it is, if, if it's not bringing encouragement or if it's not helping someone, Scripture says it's abusive and foul language, which is hard, right? Thank God for grace. Because I don't know about you guys, me and work, and Brandon knows, he works with me. I'm not always, you know, up to snuff like I should be. But thank God for grace to help me pull me up and keep me walking. I'm going to keep reading that scripture. It says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If there is an area in your life that is not producing fruit, then you have not surrendered it, that area, over to Christ. Um, John 15, 3, 4, 3 through 5, it says, You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So this is talking to the Christians. This is saying, okay, Christian, you've been already pruned and purified by Jesus Christ. And it says, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit, if it is severed from the vine. So if, if your words are not producing fruit, if your actions are not producing fruit, I'd question, is that connected to Christ? Because whatever we do in our actions, our attitudes, and in our language, if we're connected to Christ, we're going to be producing good fruit. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the first purpose of the church is to give God the glory through our actions, our words, and attitudes because not everybody's not going to want to listen to you preach all the time. You can't always give God the glory by what you're saying. If you ask any of the youth mainly, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I guarantee that is how, how it is with everybody. They don't care what you know until they know you care. The, if you want to have influence in someone's life, you've got to show them that you care first. So give God the glory by actions and word, in your actions and words and in your attitude as if the only time they will see Jesus is by looking at you. The next purpose of the church is to make disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came 
and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And you be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In this scripture verse right here, I think we overlook. Jesus gives us purpose and identity right here. He, he's telling us, he's calling us leaders. Because a disciple, what is a disciple? We always say a learner follower of Christ, right? But actually a disciple is a learner and follower. We always apply Christ because in context of scripture. But So Jesus is saying, he says, he came to his disciples, his followers. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make followers. So in order for, if someone's following you, what does that make you? A leader. So Christ has called each one of his church. Because first thing, if church is the people, I believe this is the first spot of the church. Because Jesus comes to the people, which is the church, and says, go and make disciples. And he says to his church, to each one of them, he says this, you are a leader. You are a leader in the church. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the worship leader. It's not just the people you see stand, standing up here. Each one of you sitting in the chairs, he has called a leader. Um, John Maxwell, in de- developing leaders within you, says leadership, if you remove the morals from it, is the ability to attain followers. So if, if Christ has called you and commissioned you to be a leader and you have no one following you, are you really fulfilling the great commission that our Lord Jesus Christ has commanded us to do? Hard, right? But he has called each one of us to be a leader in our communities, in our families, and in our workplace. Rather you feel like it or not, he has called you to be a leader, to lead by example in our actions, our words, and our attitudes, and everything we do. To let everything we are look like Christ so our lives is reflecting who he is. Um, each one of us are called to be leaders who lead by example in our actions and attitudes, reflecting who he is, bringing him the glory. In Titus 2, 7 through 8, we already read it once, but I'm going to read it again. It says, And you yourself must be an example to them. By doing good works of every kind, let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching cannot be criticized. Then those who oppress you or oppose you or oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Who is the truth? In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus told them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So, you know, we, sometimes you see these chur- different churches, different bodies of believers. You know, they, they all of a sudden start debating these, like, end times, what grace is and stuff. But really, the only thing that Scripture is telling us to preach is Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ. And then they can't criticize you for that. That's what that scripture is saying. If you teach the truth, which Jesus Christ is the truth, then they can't criticize you for what, you, what you're preaching. And also, what's cool about that, prior to that teaching the truth, is saying in order to teach, it's not just saying stuff. It's how you act, how you're living. So how you're living and acting is also influencing teaching the people around you, the people that you're supposed to be leading. So, 
the third purpose, I believe, of the church is we are to strengthen each other as iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and grown and full of love. So when we are gathered together, the called out ones, when we're gathered together, we help each other grow. Um, when we went down to the youth convention, the district youth director, Josh Wilburn, he said, and it's the slogan that the, I think, at least the, for the youth ministries of Michigan has taken is, we are better together. We are better together. Together we are the church. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. And Pastor Brenda uh, spoke on, I believe, this section of scripture a couple weeks ago. So I'm just going to go real fast through it. It says, the human body has many parts, but many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some are free. But we have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. The parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of us is a part of it. Um, I need a, let's see here, Caleb. Come up here, Caleb. Yeah, because you, you stayed back there. <laughs> Take your shoes off. <laughs> Put them on your hands. Yeah, this again. Drink my water. <laughs> Careful not by the stuff, man. All right, put those down. Put it, you can put it down. Put, oh, you can put your shoes back on real fast. Put your hands behind your back. Jacob, come over here. <laughs> yeah, your be his hands. Go around back. <clears throat> Will you take this box over here and put it over there? All three boxes. 
you know, one at a time, doesn't matter. Just be his, be his hands and put it over there for me. The next one is a heavy one. <laughs> one more, one more. All right, Jacob, you get to sit down. Caleb, stay here for a second. Keep your hands behind your back. Now move that box back over here. Don't use your hands, though. No elbows, no arms. Try not breaking anything. Don't make a mess. You got this. You're almost there. <laughs> oh, man. All right, now the heavy one. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. You can go sit down. You can go sit down. Now, it would have been a lot easier if Jacob or if Caleb still had Jacob to move those boxes, right? It would have been a lot easier for Caleb to drink this water with his actual hands, right? I have a video for you guys. One more video if you want to play that, Karina. Now, that one on, let's see here, if it was the right, looked like it was going nice and smooth, right? The one on the left, you seen stumbling, falling, right? It, Seth had to co quickly go in the middle and pick her back up, get her back on there, right? When each part of the body, when each one of us are doing our parts in the church, it's gonna be, we're going to be walking through nice and smooth like the group on the right was. They had no problem. They started right there, came all the way across, no problem. This other group dropped once, had to restart, had to do go again because they weren't in unity and because they weren't working together. When we, the church, is working together, doing each other's parts, not being like the, uh, the feet doing the hands job and so on, when we're all doing our part as the church, we're going to be able to change the climate in this community, change the climate in the world, change the climate in our families. Um, now, they didn't ask me to do this, but I felt like I should do this. And I believe the problem with the church today is we don't have faith, we can't hear God, or we believe we can't hear God, and we are selfish. And I believe here at Cornerstone, we, we are a church that hears from God. We are a church that walks by faith, and we are a church that aren't self-centered. With that being said, I believe because I, I, I hear from God, you guys hear from God, the leadership here hears from God, I believe that when we go to vote Pastor Brenda in today, 
that it's going to be because we heard from God and we're going to be able to change the community by taking this new transition. They said back in the prayer meeting that, you know, that the message will be um, followed by signs and miracles. I believe one of the signs and miracles of this message today will be Pastor Brenda coming into leadership as the senior pastor here because I believe without her, we're going to be like that church on the left that's struggling. We're still going to be here, but we're going to be struggling compared to if we have Pastor Brenda as a pastor. We're going to be able to plow right through and get what needs to be done here in the community. Yeah, we did that with you too, Pastor Neil. Pastor Neil has been awesome. He's set the pace. He's brought, so. So with that being said, um, we are the church. The purpose of the church is to give God the glory, is to make disciples, and we work together because we're better together, and iron sharpens iron. We grow together. So I'm just going to pray and close, and I'm handing it back over to you, Pastor Neil. Daring Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for this time together, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that as we learn our spot in the church, Lord, as we learn how to be a good leader, follower, help us just to be not selfish, not self-centered, but think of others, Father, Lord. Help us to be people who walk by faith, Father. Help us to be people who hear your voice, Lord. Help our lives to reflect who you are, Jesus. Help us just to be good theology of who Jesus is, of who God is. In your mighty name, amen.